Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. As always, we're your hosts, I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we're talking a little ravening war. And you know what? I'm ravenous to talk about it. Um, Super excited, the finale, it's over, unfortunately, but... um, So sad. But I'm excited to dive into it, and uh, let's let's get right into it. But real quick, as always, a couple of announcements. Uh, well, not really announcements, but on the docket, we got our Critical Role coverage coming your way. Yep. Uh, Worlds Beyond Number, The Wizard, The Witch, and The Wild One coming your way. And um, we recently put out a little Diablo video talking about the insane rarity of super uniques. Um, some of you will know what I'm talking about, others probably like what um check out the Spoiler. video it's, it's short and sweet you'll never, yeah. you'll never find one you can yeah. just there, there's your answer <laughs> it's like a one in a hundred million chance basically yeah, you don't even have to watch the video <laughs> that's the answer is you will yep. never find spoilers one, so. that's it um <laughs> and yeah and also if you've been keeping an eye on the channel we have started to kind of put out some compilations some clips of our favorite moments um from mostly critical role thus far uh, but there's a couple ravening war ones and uh that's something we want to do more frequently so um, if you've got like a specific moment from the Ravening War, it doesn't have to be from the Ravening War, but if you're watching this, you're probably interested in that. Let us know, um, because we're we're having fun, kind of going back and revisiting these really fun moments. Um, mm-hmm. anything else before we get going? I think we're ready to rock. All right, let's do it. And uh, as always, we're going to do a little bit of a recap before we dive into our proper discussion. We cut that recap out. Post it on YouTube for your viewing convenience. And so if you're on the recap video and you would like to hear our full thoughts and discussion on this episode, you will be able to find a link to that down in the description box below. But my friend, if you would like to start us off today. Yes, sir. Um, (laughs) So this episode is a bit of a bloodbath. It's the final episode, like Will mentioned, of this miniseries. And it picks up with the party deep in this fungus network of the seventh kingdom down below Pengranos, uh, where the war to end the battle to end the ravaging war is essentially taking place at this point. Um, the party has learned of sort of the master plan to release toxic spores to, um, wipe out the leaders of both sides and sort of usher in even more conflict and desolation. And the party has stepped into this sort of quasi coliseum arena where they have they see before them the the heart of the world this this hulking uh mass of um i don't know what they called it actually now that i'm thinking about it um but essentially yeah yeah mycelium that's the word yeah. they threw out a lot yeah it's, it's big mushroom heart um, and they also spot uh, a number of the FDA who are present, notably uh, Camille Cauliflower, uh, who removes her hood and um, sort of welcomes the party in. And before much happens, um, there's also the identification of um, Ariana Ghibli. Jim- Jamelli? Jamelli. Something like that. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, the <laughs> love interest of our friend Delisandro. Um, well, maybe one way love interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, it's in this moment that 
um, Archdeacon Rafaniel realizes that, you know, there's really no getting out of this or talking our way through this. So he's going to do Subtle Spell and cast Shatter uh, on Camille Cauliflower. And there's also a couple other things, too. There's also some other FTA members present. Um, and also the Elder, um, uh, I want to say Sapporo. That's not right. Uh, Sephora. Saprophis. Saprophis. Thank you. I'm thinking of naming like a jewelry store or something. (laughs) (laughs) Savaro Pizza. Um, The elder, the leader of them, is also present. This um, disgustingly described creature that Matt explains. Uh, But all this to say, combat begins. Um, And what we typically do in combat is we usually just cover the highlights. Uh, Most of this episode is combat, so there's actually a lot of really big moments that happen. One of the things that's going to happen is um, Rafaniel is going to set his sights on um, Camille Cauliflower immediately, who, interestingly enough, doesn't fight back. She actually turns to this this heart of the world, uh, mycelium heart mass, and begins praying and chanting, which um, they're like, that can't be good. We should do yeah. something about that. Um, Colin Provolone's instantly going to jump into that as well to try to stop her. Um uh, D'Alessandro is actually going to go for Ariana and it's it kind of is just like, you lied to me. You told me if I united the Meatlands that, you know, we, we'd have a place together or, you know, it'd be a spot for us. And, uh, Ariana's like, well, it wasn't you. It was, um, the other guy, uh, uh Basha. Basha. Yeah. Basha. Cold man. Cold. Yeah. It was like, well, it was Basha who united the Meatlands. And <laughs> there's this really great moment, a throwback to a previous episode that I had forgotten about where um, he basically says, I saved myself for you. <laughs> Everyone is like, this dude's a virgin? <laughs> Which if you recall back, I think it was in episode two, um, there's like a running gag around um, D'Alessandro's friend being like, it's not as great as, you know, or I can't remember what it yeah, was, yeah. but just a really funny conversation about it. So um, this is very much sad, cringy moment of D'Alessandro being like, how could you do this to me? Um, Ariana's actually can get distracted though, because she looks over to, um, cauliflower and is kind of like, wait, what are you chanting? Like, what are you doing? And so there's this moment where people are something, this isn't going to plan like the FDA thought it would. Um, Quiche is also going to show up from behind a croissant and immediately is going to attack Amon Go. And it's kind of like, it's just business. Sorry guys. Uh, and is a bit impressed by Amon Go's, uh, sort of progression into being a worthy roguish fighter of herself um also what happens in combat um after another round is um they continue to try to hit cauliflower to stop whatever she's doing and she eventually turns around and just smiles and says he's coming and her form begins to morph and evolve and change into this evil creature that is defined by metal blades and her mouth sort of, her head sort of splits open to reveal this giant, best way I could describe it, a giant garbage disposal. That's <laughs> Just exactly a worrying, what it is, yeah. Worrying cavity in her mouth of sharp teeth. Um, and she becomes the avatar of um, uh, Deus Pasul, Das yep. Pasul, um, who is essentially the blender god, essentially. Um, the disposal and- god. The disposal god. That's right. Thank you for yeah for food that is getting wasted, um, which we'll talk more about that in the episode or the discussion. 
also she's going to summon around the arena these similar garbage disposals that pop up uh, that not only are present, but that she can move at will around the arena. And also on top of spawning these, um, if a party member is within, I think, 20 feet or 10 feet of one, they have to succeed on a strength saving throw to not get sucked into it and shoot up. Quiche is going to fail getting sucked into it. Uh, Matt is way too good at making garbage disposal sounds. Yeah. And essentially, Quiche is stuck in it. And after a couple of rounds is obliterated by it and is no more. Uh, Rafaniel has this awesome moment where he turns to Amon Go and admits that it was him who was poisoning uh, or who poisoned her late husband and sort of says his goodbyes before diving directly into the mycelium heart. Uh, whereupon in here, he connects with the mycelium heart and is sort of, he allows himself to be totally vulnerable and exposed and essentially feels right at home. And it, it's kind of like um, he's sitting into like the matrix. He's jacked into the matrix now. And he uh, begins sort of trying to help the party um, from this spot by essentially um, casting spells like cure wounds. Um, basically what ends up happening is he gets, he connects with this heart to a point where he activates, this is a really cool detail from Matt. Yeah. He activates a layer action where the layer of the mycelium heart not only will release spores to help people, but also begins raising up warriors um, that uh, they can use at their side. Um, the battle continues with the party trying to take care of this avatar. Um, notably, uh, Delisandro decides to take care of the elder. And so the elder, by the way, is just this gargantuan figure who keeps releasing these poisonous spores across the party. And Delisandro uses one of his fighter maneuvers to essentially push the elder into the one of the garbage disposal blades, which doesn't kill it, but it does chunk it up pretty badly for around, I think, 30 hit points or so. But um, do you want to take it from there? Yeah. So... <clears throat> This combat's crazy. Um, Karna has taken a ton of damage uh, due to being sucked into the Avatar's mouth. The Avatar meaning um, Bishop uh, Cauliflower, who has you know transformed into this disposal entity. Um, <clears throat> so she's looking really rough. Uh, Delhi has just pushed the Elder into one of these disposals on the ground. The Elder does manage to pull itself out of it. Um, but as we're working through the initiative... Um, Ariana Jamelli, who has still just basically been stunned this entire time, uh, right. gets sucked in to another one of these disposals and is just annihilated. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Rafaniel, you know, again, jacked into the matrix, uh, actually pumps a cure wounds into the heart and, uh, in so doing kind of unlocks another use of that legendary action that Blake was, uh, describing or excuse me, or legendary or lair. I, Lair action. Okay. Yeah, it's a lair action. That's so. right. And so um, they get to create another saprofen to like join them and aid them in the battle. Um, also, Rafaniel does kind of make an insight check on the heart and realizes that the mycelium did indeed want to unleash the spores to kill all the people above. Um, even though they weren't clear on this whole Despazul aspect of this plan uh, with the archbishop. The, you know, rot concoction that we saw in the previous episode was indeed its desire. 
Um, so Rafaniel tries to say that like, Hey, we'll find another way to help you, you know, feed your people. Um, <clears throat> so like, you know, essentially saying, uh, we're united on this front, but like, you know, that big bomb you're wanting to set off, like, let's not do that. Yeah, maybe um, not that. <laughs> <laughs> then we have another, uh, layer action that I think Blake already mentioned, but the, uh, the heart releases spores that actually right. heal the entire group. Right. Um, so moving on, uh, the avatar is next turn. Uh, she attacks Karna once again and actually kills her. Uh, so Matt asks, you know, what are your last thoughts? And Abria says, you know, I've already died. So like, I'm not, I'm not scared. Um, Bonus time. Yeah. And she basically just looks at Delhi and is obliterated. Uh, because of this, Delhi, of course, sees red and just rushes and attacks the avatar. Uh, it uses a legendary action on him to devour the flesh and hits a nat 20. Um, but thankfully, we find out that Delhi has uh, this certain adamantium armor that makes him immune to yeah. crits. So he um, he still takes a ton of damage, but obviously half as much as he would have taken. I think I think Brennan says, because he also is raging, so half's that. I think Brennan off camera oh, mentions right. it was going to be 80 points of damage. That's right. So, yeah, thank goodness. Which is like instant KO. Yeah. So he, you know, is able to withstand that. Combat continues. Um, Rathaniel, actually, a disposal mouth comes into the heart where he is and actually sucks him into it and he is annihilated. So Brennan describes his last moments and he basically says, I've connected to the first place where I've felt like home. I spent my life lying, torturing. I've been a fool, a wretch, and I have wasted my life. My mind and my heart were garbage. Let them be disposed, but let my body serve the only warmth I've ever known. Um, great moment. So <clears throat> two of our players are down. Combat continues with the rest of the party, you know, doing their absolute best, which ultimately leads to Colin getting the, how do you want to do this moment on, uh, the avatar on the archbishop cauliflower, striking it and sending her into a nearby ground disposal and just gets torn up. Um, as soon as that happens, the other disposals on the ground kind of grind to a halt and combat has essentially come to an end. Um, and Delhi is sitting there wondering, like, you know, we don't even have time to think about what just happened because is this is this rot bomb still going to go off and kill everyone above ground? Um, or has that changed? Like, do we have an alliance now? So Delhi actually walks up and touches the mycelium to connect with it like he did in the previous episode. And he feels this overwhelming gratitude flow into him from it. Um, the heart kind of transmits that it has a better understanding of the surface dwellers now and through uh his connection with this delhi can actually feel the battle above um through the extensions of this mycelium network and he can feel um it call them to withdraw from the conflict um and seemingly it will no longer release this spore bomb so delhi then wonders like Okay, that awesome. But are you going to let us go? And this mycelium network, the heart of the world, is torn between wanting to help them, but knowing that the survival of it and its people relies on secrecy, relies on no one knowing they exist. Um, 
And in, in this moment, Delhi can feel the mycelium killing all of the FDA members that are like down here in the network in order to maintain that secret. Uh, so he then feels it ask, like, can you guys keep this secret if I let you go? So Delhi kind of turns to Colin and I'm on go and is like, can we keep this secret? And it's a group persuasion check. <laughs> we have Amon Go hit a 25, but Colin hits a three and Delhi hits a nat one. <laughs> so the heart of the world like emits this sadness and yeah, the three like, of this is awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, We're going to have realize to. like they got to run or they're never going to see the light of day again. So then we have this really cool sequence with the three of them basically making a break for the surface. And um, they're kind of, you know, backtracking through all of the rooms that they have come through uh, both in this episode and the previous episode. So it's kind of a cool like sequence and all the while they like mycelium roots, if you will, are like chasing them. Spores are being emitted um, and they basically have to like outrun these spores or else they're constantly taking poison damage. <clears throat> um, and as they run through kind of the portion of the city that they had come through, then the citizens of Saprophis start chasing them as well as the uh, like the heart of the world starts like mind controlling mm. them, essentially. Yeah. Um, because of this, Delhi is like. All right, I'm going to make the sacrifice play. And he just like tackles a group of these people so that uh, Amongo and Colin can make their way through. Um, but Colin doubles back and is like, I'm not going to let you do that. So he goes back and helps Deli, and they all end up continuing to run. Um, they make it back to the bridge room with the big pool of rot. And of course, they have to navigate over this. Uh, both Amongo and Colin do, but Delhi does not. He is unable to make the save, and so he falls into this rot, taking more damage and falling further behind. Um, Colin once again helps him, um, and they continue, and they actually make it to the entrance where they came in, but they come to find that it is now collapsed. Uh -huh. um, Amongo communicates with one of the little Saprophis digger guys that was there, and he's like, there's you know potentially another exit this way. Um, but Delhi, who is, you know, again, was a little bit behind the other two runs up and just full strength rushes into the collapsed tunnel to try to break it. Um, and he is successful, but in so doing takes more damage, which reduces him to zero. So he collapses on the ground covered in blood. Um, but Amungo is able to stabilize him with her, uh, medical kit, I believe it is. And yeah, our healer's kit, maybe healer's kit. That's right. Thank you. So they're able to get away, uh, recover a bit, and Delhi is able to come to consciousness. And outside they can hear the trumpets of war and the columns, columns of black smoke and realize that the armies have achieved victory. And now we kind of get a little bit of a, an epilogue, if you will. Um, we're told that General Rococo was slain in battle, uh, that Lord Gustavo Uvano fired an arrow into the heart of Imperator Fakasha, which ended the war and that an alliance was established to restore unity. The Concord was forged and Gustavo is named the first concordant emperor. Um, <clears throat> the, the formation of this Concord is under the Bulbian oath, which kind of imprints the faith of the bulb as the de facto religion of Calorum. And the Pax Calorum is established to balance the military forces between the nations and to also bolster a force for the Concord itself. Uh, and it's at this point that Matt kind of asks each of the players, so what is your like legacy? What, are, what is yeah. for those that are dead and for those that are still alive, like, what do you do <laughs> from this point? 
Um, so Deli starts us off and he says that Deli and Colin spend some time together, but Deli's unable to resolve some of the feelings he had for being a pawn in these mm-hmm. games. Um, and so he doesn't want to return to the Meatlands to Karn and inevitably end up another pawn again. So after a time, one day he just slips away following in his mother's footsteps just to be an outlander until the end of his days. Colin uh, renounces his title of Sir Colin Provolone and spends his time making sure the Sanctus Putris is no more, uh, basically spending the rest of his days hunting them. Um, Amon Go uh, is basically just dying of guilt, and she wants to just disappear. So she goes back to Karna's safe house and just looks for like anything that she could use, any information that may help her. And um, she ultimately basically finds this hidden cipher of all these documents that when like put together in the right way is basically Karna's like ledger of everything she knows, the blackmail on all these people. Mm-hmm. And so Amango is like, you know what, maybe this is how I can kind of do right by Karna and, you know, make use of this. And so she goes to Lord Gustavo Uvano and basically is like, let me be your spy master, utilizing this information that Karna had to kind of get her off and going. Um, so that's exactly what she does. Um, Karna, what impact have you left on the world? Uh, Matt asks her. And she says she left a letter to Andeli's bed before the events of this episode in case she died, um, which basically said the only secret that I have left is that I love you. I'm not brave enough to say it to your face, but if you call, I will come always. Uh, and then finally, Rafaniel, same question. And Rafaniel says, you know, there's very little truths left in this world. Um, most of his scrawlings uh, were the strategizing of a man who was driven to the brink of fanaticism and zealotry. And what he realized in his last moments of life um, was greater than all of his best decades put together prior to that. So... Hmm. One of the like the most last moments of terror he feels is the hollowness of the vision of the world laid out in all of his scrawlings and teachings. So the echo that he leaves upon the world, um, since the archbishop is dead and gone, the successor, Brassica, he hopes that she will discover his writings on the Ramsian doctrine and the Prophidian heresy and his writings on the threat of the Sanctus Putris. And she also, he also hopes she discovers the scrolls of genealogy in Raphael's study, the one that made Raphael realize that if Arthur Cardoon didn't have an heir, there would be a war. So he's kind of hoping his legacy is that the Sanctus Putris can never come to be again, and these other mm-hmm. um, writings he has are found. Uh, and that's basically the end of the episode. Uh, sorry, there was a lot to get through there at the end, but uh, the finale of the Ravening War, episode six. Uh, once again, uh, if you're on our recap video, a link to our full discussion will be down below. But all right, okay. man. It always is so tough coming to the end of a series because you, I mean, I can't even imagine the end of like CR, what that's going to feel like. But oh, um, those closest- hit different, man. Those <laughs> hit different. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when you've dedicated years of your life, I'm sure. But um, I was kind of, I'm not, I don't want to compare at all to Calamity, but just it was a similar feeling, though, to these characters you see on a week to week basis and um, just coming to a close. It's just sad, yeah. you know? 100%. I, I 
I felt the same way. Uh, I at least had the like the copium moment of, well, we still have Crown of Candy that we can kind of jump into to stay in this world a bit longer. But yeah, oh. especially especially coming from Critical Role, I, I felt the same thing. I was sad that I was like, man, I just I want to I want to spend more time mm-hmm. not only with these characters, but just in this world. Um, well, and I just know you guys in the comments are going to be like, so watch Crown of Candy, <laughs> <laughs> which we want to. It's it's it, we we are going to. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely like so even more curious now. I'm like, I'm like, okay, so does this thing just putrus come up in Crown of Candy? Um, and like, are there any things that now having seen? Because I know there were things that we were unaware of that we were kind of trying to like read between the lines of like, oh, okay, that's a reference to Crown of Candy. But I just wonder if watching it, if it would be interesting now knowing what we know, because um, it's is it like 20 years later or I think, yeah, I think so. Something like I think that. roughly 20 years. Yeah, OK, I think there would definitely be like. Click, uh, mo- that's not the right word, but like uh, uh, moments that we could like, you know, infer things from based on the ravening war. But for the most part, I felt like kind of neither spoils the other that much. Mm-hmm. um that's the impression i got but of course having not seen it i guess what do i know um yeah but but yeah i'm very excited to to dive into that and uh and learn some more about this world but yeah just even though we do have that i am just sad to not have any more time with with delhi with colin um and mm-hmm. of course karna and rafaniel who are you know no longer with us um so we weren't going to get time with them anyway but mm-hmm. I wonder sometimes if. You just, or go, go ahead. I say sometimes you just get a table that just has like a, a fun energy to it. So it's yeah. kind of not only do you enjoy like the story is fun to watch and progress like they're playing D and D, but also like just the antics and back and yeah. forth and like the little like details like um, Delisandro calling uh, Provolone scald again mm-hmm. and Carna being like, dude, it's been. <laughs> It's been five minutes. My body's still warm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah, totally. Uh, Yeah, they had they had such a fun energy and such a great um, camaraderie. This is another one of the words I can't say. Camaraderie. Camaraderie. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Camaraderie. (laughs) Camaraderie. There we go. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And I wonder if I mean even if okay, you know we're not we're not intimately familiar with D twenty. But they do. I mean, this this was a sequel, well, prequel technically, but like a yeah. a sequel to okay, prequel. But you guys know what I mean. So I wonder if we could ever get a third entry in the the Calorum saga. Yeah. If we did, I I don't think it would be with any of these characters, but um, it would still be cool. So um, separate from that you guys who know d20 because i know we get, we've gotten some details from you guys who are familiar like for example i think it was mentioned that these episodes are batch recorded or, or in general they typically batch record um which is good info but separately do i know in cr when a table comes together they typically have a session zero um where the party could kind of familiarize themselves or even like play a little bit together to kind of get a, a feeling for it we know this happened in the original EXU. We know it happened in varying degrees with Calamity. Um, I'm really curious, like, because when episode one happened, there was such a natural energy there. In D20, are there session zeros? Are there 
you know, hey, we're going to just kind of goof off and play. And then when the cameras go on, we've already had a little bit of time together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm interested in that as well. I, I got to imagine they had something, you know, maybe it's not like a default session zero like we're familiar with, but you, get, I got to think there's there's some like that. That wasn't the first time, you yeah. know, just cold turkey that they started role playing. I'm sure there's like a pretty big back and forth between Matt yeah. and the players and maybe even Brennan to some extent. I'm sure they like kept him in the dark for the things that mattered, but just as the yeah. original DM and creator of the world for like figuring out like yeah. people's backstories and stuff. So, but yeah, I I'm really curious if they have any type of session zero. I wonder if even, so I've watched all of the adventuring parties and unless I just like blacked out, they didn't mention anything about that. But um, that's the uh, the uh, post episode. Yeah, that's like it's like a 20 yeah. minute. Um, right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Little discussion. I did see that they put out some other. Interview or something mm. with which I haven't watched it yet, so I don't know what kind of information the is contained behind in the it. scenes thing or. Yeah, it was like Matt yeah. and it was as far as people. It wasn't anyone else from the cast besides Matt. So I don't mm. know if the other people are like behind the scenes people. Um, so maybe some of those answers might be in that uh, interview. Yeah. Which I do plan on checking out. Just haven't had the chance to before we recorded this. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, we got crown of candy, so I guess I should be happy, but I, I wonder if we ever might get a, a third entry mm. into this, uh, into this universe, but even yeah. if we don't, you know, well, I mean, for what, regardless, I mean, Matt did expand the lore of the world um, with the addition of the garbage disposal god, uh, which I think it's I think it's great when there's like lore additions that make sense for like the framing of the series. Like we're talking about food, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, Rafaniel basically said it himself, like the only thing worse than, um, you know, uh, food that's devoured by like the hungry one is food that's just thrown out. Yeah. Um, so it's just such a nice, I think Matt created this sort of third deity that, um, I don't know, had layers of like an onion and had just layers <laughs> of like, this makes sense. I like this. This is really fun. Um, and a very disturbing final encounter as well. <laughs> yeah. That, so. that part, that was, that was so, you know, chef's kiss. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole moment where like Brennan realizes that you know des puzzle disposal mm. um mm. that moment was just so Bro, I amazing just got that. i just got that <laughs> that's why i went over my head oh, I did did. Not get that. yeah, yeah uh, i actually i ripped a, a short it's on the channel for if you guys want to like see that moment again um but yeah you you just said it and it, it leads directly into brennan kind of giving this this speech about um i don't, I don't want to butcher it but you know what you just said, like food that's not even eaten, like, you yeah. know, uh, that, that moment when right after like everyone at the table is like, Oh my gosh, that was amazing that you yeah. just kind of like came with that so quickly. And um, what I didn't realize, but have since found out is not only was that like improv, but it was a riff on an HP Lovecraft line Um that just makes so much sense because the, the, the bulb, the, the hungry one are kind of like the archetypal 
you know, good God, bad God. And then you Mm -hmm. have the disposal, which is kind of the way they were talking about it would be like an eldritch horror beyond the thing. So like riffing on an HP Lovecraft line to then flex that out so quickly was just. That's why Brennan's the master, man. Yeah, That was so good. He has such a way with words. When I was doing that uh, calamity video that we just put up, um, I just like I kept pausing, just being like, "How is he so good at these lines, <laughs> man?" Like it just it blows my mind. I I think some people just are gifted in a way that I just won't ever understand. But yeah, I for sure hats off to him. That was that was just <laughs> such a great sequence, and uh... it's fun too. Like when the table is also in all of it, like the earlier thing where whatever line it was that he said, but even Matt was like, <laughs> Matt was like, nice. Yeah. Uh, and then Amon Go was like, he's like, yeah, we're just, we're just here. You know, <laughs> you guys have your DM moment. We're yeah. just here. <laughs> we, that, there's nothing I have to say. <laughs> so good stuff, man. Yeah. Two, uh, two Titans coming together, man. That was a, mm-hmm. that was a beautiful little moment for sure. Yeah. And yeah, we, we've already talked about it ad nauseum, but just, again, I got a shout out just the pun of, as puzzle to disposal and just like even being able to give Brennan that like moment of realization mm. yeah. uh, in his own world was just really fun. Yeah. And we, we talked about this. I don't know where it was from, but Brennan saying how much he enjoyed and appreciated um, being in the chair as a player and like really wanting to do that for Matt, which I'm all for. I'm like, let's do it. Yeah. But like, like my opinion matters, but <laughs> I'm like, yes, <laughs> that guy from um, the pixelist gave us the yeah. okay. So <laughs> Did you hear what they said? We gotta do it. (laughs) We gotta we gotta put a pause on uh Vox Machina season three. (laughs) Anyway, so um yeah, you know, um it's you could tell Brendan had a lot of fun. And then I think the fire and water video you put up recently, which I'm not trying to have us like (laughs) we're just like throwing and we threw this one up and that one up. It's just we're just enjoying D and D, honestly. So I'm not trying to be like obnoxiously marketing, but the fire and water um, video you just put up where it's the fire, it's fire versus water. But then you had the interview with Brennan afterwards with him just being like, it was so fun. Like it was so great. Um, I don't even know where I'm going with this other than just like, yeah, it was, it's special that Brennan got to sit in that chair. And I, I want to just throw out there again, how great it would be for Brennan to do that for Matt. Um, Cause I don't feel like Matt gets a lot of time off, you know? He's he's yeah. the ultra DM for good reason, but yeah, yeah. It, I mean, we already have talked so much about how amazing Calamity was, so it would just be good mm. to have Brennan over under the the CR umbrella again. But yeah, of course, to have Matt get a chance to actually play this time uh, would be fantastic. And uh, <clears throat> I, I want to talk about the episode, so I'll I'll you know stop yeah. doing these tangents. But one last thing I do want to <laughs> say is that. It's, it's good, just man. so it's refreshing and nice to see, like, to see the uh, the the friendship and the collaboration. Yes. Where like, yes. it could so easily be like, we yes. hate them, you know, or like, not even if it yeah. was like outwardly said, but like, never any collaboration because like, I don't think it's necessarily fair to call them competitors, but like, they're they're operating in the same industry, doing I, the same thing. Could very easily be competing products, right? So it could very easily be, if not like a, a, you know, 
very battle, easy, yeah, you know, very can, very easily could be very toxic subreddits. Yeah, although that's throats. that's still the case, yeah. I'm sure, unfortunately. <laughs> but yes, you know, so just you know, very grateful that that the people in both of these communities are such good people. Um, yeah, because you know the tide lifts all boats, man. That's, that's right. Pretty that's sure we got it that time. Exactly right. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats. Third or fourth time's a charm. Couldn't have said it better myself. That should, yeah. That should be a no, saying. Yeah, I, I won't wax on top of your waxing too much, but just, just <laughs> retweet. Love what you said. Totally agree. Let's get more D&D and feels good storytelling in our world. For sure. Boom. Ship it. All right. So... <laughs> What what to what to where to go to now? Oh, um, man. I will say one thing that's not only true of, of this finale, but the whole show, but especially in this finale, is just the freaking battle maps. Oh are yeah. so cool. Like seeing the heart of the world and the mm-hmm. the freaking disposals that uh so not not only like the design of the map itself, but the design of the encounter. Um mm-hmm. The, the the movable disposals were so cool. Mm-hmm. The like allied layer actions was such a mm-hmm. cool concept that I that I personally mm-hmm. have never seen before. I'm sure that's been done yeah. before, uh, but that was new to me. Um, that you know that's one thing Matt's always been really good at is kind of just designing these epic mm-hmm. boss fights, if you will. Um, yeah. So yeah, just shout out to the production team and shout out to Matt. Uh, and such you know the climax. added production. Sorry, I didn't mean to keep you done. from finishing your sentence there. No, I was, I was done. <laughs> um, the added um, little production things of like when moments happen, like you'd see like <laughs> yeah. the mini with like the little stick attached to it, and then being like, "Dink," yeah. you know, like even like the one where um, cauliflower like comes back up as the avatar, and they literally just had like the camera and the mini just going. Yeah, it's such like. A home craft, you know, you're in your own like basement, like putting like them under this, but it's very cute and um, fun. And yeah, you can just tell people who really, really enjoy creating the the tangible side of D&D. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think that was really cool through and through. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that is a, a there's a lot of differences between this and Critical Role, but that's one of them since they like pre-produce all of this stuff before you know even the first episode airs they're able to go you know get these shots of like the action sequences that happen so I, yeah i thought that was really fun um the one that just is ingrained into my mind is the yeah uh, it wasn't from this episode but the crotch sephiroth maneuver when they actually had yeah. that thing yeah. go into the carrot um yeah <laughs> yeah just super fun yeah. um okay let me let me go through my notes here, but as far as I guess story wise, uh, since we've been kind of talking on a meta level, where do you want to go here? I don't know. It's it's always kind of like there's not a lot to like theorize, I guess, because it's the end. But right. um, I thought it was an interesting detail that Amon Go became the spymaster for Uvano. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know if her character got justice, so to speak. Um, Cause I think about her at the start of the show versus how she ended um, very much like trying to find her place and 
Um, she did find a place, you know, but um, I'm just thinking through people's stories and backstories and um, I guess really not a happy ending for anybody. Although the show felt I was happy <laughs> at the yeah, end of it. I mean, I guess because I mean, they were successful and, yeah. you know, at least three of them were able to escape. But yeah, not really. I mean, I guess the. I was trying to decide who amongst the three had the happiest ending. I definitely not Delhi. Mm. I mean, Colin just spent his days hunting people, which is cool. But I don't know, like how like fulfilled or like happy right. of a person he was. And then similar with Amon Go, she like is the spy master to the freaking king of the land. So like, that's a good place mm-hmm. to be, but I don't know how happy she would be either. So kind of a bit. Yeah. And we got a very tragic detail from her that she learns disguise self and, um, illusion magic. And in the morning, the detail she said was in the morning, she speaks to Karna yeah. and in the evenings to Rafaniel, which was such a gut punch, man. I was yeah. like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's tragic. It's sad. And so, um, and so wait, I, I remembered that, but you just put, you just put it in a new context for me. Is the implication that she like disguises herself as Karna and like talks in the mirror. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. That's, it's like dark, <laughs> but like it, it's messed up, but in like, you know, a cool way. It, um, but it's, it's, I don't see it's relatable. I don't, I don't know if any of us have oh, done yeah. that, <laughs> but, but it's, it's, it's understandable. It's, it's, yeah. you know, it's 100%. just, um, which I think that's why I kind of think of her character, not really getting, I don't know if justice is the right word, but she, yeah, it's what you said. I mean, it's ultimately very sad and, um, you know, they were successful. They did save the world, I guess. Um, but I guess you kind of wonder what awaits them for the remainder of their lives. Hopefully Delhi had sex. I mean, <laughs> slam down so big he, style. Yeah. He's like, I just want to make it through this to slam it down big style. But <laughs> Maybe he and anyway. Surly went to not slam down big style, but just, you know, walked the life of a, of a, um, <laughs> I don't want to say eunuch. What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, Ce- celibate. Is. Celibate. That's the word I'm <laughs> eunuch is something different. But <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. On Almond Go, uh, there are really some cool like narrative parallels to the like learning disguised self and kind of not only being someone else in terms of like kind of mm-hmm. becoming a spy master, spy master, but literally being Karna and Rafaniel and like talking to herself. She had to reinvent herself so many times. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, from pre pre show becoming a essentially nobody to queen and then mm-hmm. having to become a queen to widow, widow to mm-hmm. warrior and now warrior mm-hmm. to spy master. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> crazy journey. And then I just want to kind of piece this together concretely because we, we did find out that Rafaniel was poisoning the king the late king mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um did you take that to mean like because he said he did it like a lot so mm-hmm. did you take that to mean like poison to kill and that's why he died or poison to make infertile i think infertile and i think i said as much in a previous episode and i think some commenters too chimed in about it but i assume 
to make him infertile. And because okay. he, he also says like in that same sentence, like, and I'm, I'm sorry, I never wanted you to get hurt, whatever that cliche stereotypical thing right. that you say. So I assume that to mean like, I think he said like, I never wanted to take something away from you. Um, so to me, it was keeping him infertile though. He regretted keeping Amon go from bearing a child. Right. Okay. And, you know, and then he's like, I'm glad you took matters into your own hands, meaning she did right. end up having a child. Yeah. Um, and then we also got confirmation that I'm looking for it in my notes, but I can't find it. So, uh, but we got confirmation that her blackmail was essentially this affair, I think, basically. And I don't know if it was they knew about the kid necessarily or not, um, but I'm wondering... Uh, I think Amon Go, and again, I wish I could find this in my notes, so I'm just trying to remember, but did Amon Go basically admit to killing the person she had the affair with? I didn't track that. I didn't get that detail. So that might have been... Or maybe, like, not, I'm not saying she did it, like, with her bare hands, but essentially mm. that person is like, dead, was, not because like, of natural causes or whatever, but, like, yeah. kind of because she of hired. Her. Was it, or was the implication that she hired someone or like had the person killed or something? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, could very well be the case. Um, because the, uh, and again, not looking at my notes, so I'm probably butchering this, but like the, the blackmail note said Von Penois or whatever, which was the guy, mm. the father to her baby. So I think either she had him killed and like still owed money because of the, or not even necessarily old money, but like her blackmail was like a ledger. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe just, maybe the blackmail was just, they knew that she had this dude killed. Um, but okay. I just wanted to kind of get those things right in my mind that like Raphael poisoned to make infertile. I'm going to go if not indirectly or directly, mm -hmm. you know, had this other guy killed to, I guess, protect her secret. I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Um Okay. Boom, boom, boom. Um, let me get back to where I was in my notes now. Sorry. All right. Um, I'm distracted because my toddler's screaming at me. <laughs> uh oh, as is tradition for being a parent. <laughs> um, all right. One thing that I was just kind of confused, not confused, but I wanted to get clear with you is we have this moment with Ariana, who is, you know, big FDA person mm -hmm. so it makes sense why she's down there but then she is shocked at the true nature of what's going on here when the the despot's mm -hmm. rule is revealed i'm kind of confused as to makes total sense why that would shock her but i'm kind of confused as to where why she's shocked to the extent that she like is gonna attack the archbishop because really at the end of the day that the rot bomb is still gonna go off which is what ariana wanted so, like, why does this, this Eldritch Horror entity really change things to the extent where she's going to turn against the the Archbishop? And maybe it's just, like, I'm reading too much into it, and in the moment, that's, like, a horrific thing. So you just, you know. But how did you I think, take that? I I think it is similar to Raphael's um, realization of um, feeding the Hungry One versus total disposal. And how much worse total oblivion is than just, you know, mass chaos. 
Um, okay, and so yeah. I'm assuming in that moment, she had a similar realization, like, you know, wait, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> that's not what we want. <laughs> it's a little fuzzy how she like gleans so much in that moment, you know, cause she does, she's like, wait, what? And I was kind of thinking like, does she know the chant? Like what's exactly happening here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I assumed she was like, which is, it's a bit of an irony of, you know, Hey, we we're super evil people, but I don't want to be that evil. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but so that, something just, like that. that's kind of why I was confused. Cause still like the end result was mm-hmm. still the same. A lot of people die, but maybe there was like something to it. Like because of this chanting, because of this ritual, like it would, I, but I don't think it's necessarily bad though. I, I think it'd be like Thanos. Thanos is like, yeah, I want to, I, I want the world to continue, mm-hmm. but I need to, I want things to be reframed a bit. Like yeah. I think half, half of the population needs to die so that the greater amount can live. You know, it's, it's why we have the subreddit Thanos did nothing wrong. It's like, there's the ends justify the means. Yeah. I think that versus someone who wants to just obliterate everything, you know, think of Ultron in a, um, what if, what if, yeah, just totally annihilating universes. Um, you know, I mean, I, so I, I, I see it. I don't know if it was super well executed, but I see like the difference there of like, yeah. you know, cause I think that's kind of the greatest ironies of really good villains is that they think they're the good guys, Yeah, <laughs> you know, like we're, we're doing the right thing. So for sure. Anyway. And I, yeah. And I a hundred percent see the philosophical difference, but I just didn't see the difference in the outcome. <laughs> like, either not, way, everyone's that, dying essentially. I pull out a whiteboard. I'm like, let me walk you through this. <laughs> well, like, I, get it. I will say they did my man Quiche dirty. You yeah. know I mean? He got, he got torn dirty. up. He, he did. He Literally, did. Yeah. So, um, um, I, yeah, I did like, cause this is something that we talked about. I think in episode, I guess it would have been episode four. Um, because we didn't, we didn't talk. I don't, we didn't talk in episode five, so it must've been four, but about, what was going on with the archbishop when she like grew taller and was like really menacing. Um, mm, yeah. I, I like that there was yes, like something going on there. Um, yes. Yes. Which, and even I, I can kind of, I don't know like how much her mind had been kind of corrupted if, if, if we can call it that, but I do even see her philosophy in the, that, like we can't just keep going through this cycle of, you know, the bulb and the hungry one. Like, right. To my understanding, she was trying to break the cycle just completely. Now that ended up with basically everyone dead, I guess. So like, what good does that do anyone? I don't know, but, um, I do like enjoy that, that rationale as it were. Um, so yeah. That and, was cool. and I do think it's interesting to note that both, again, I don't know if you hear my toddler screaming outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> I, I but, can't. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> Just a typical day, you know? <laughs> um, I do think it was interesting how... Like, I think it's interesting the fact she was corrupted and also Rafaniel was getting visions. So yeah. there, there's something there. I, I haven't really kind of had time to sort of... Because I just finished the episode. Yeah. I haven't had time to like let it digest, but there's some cool, I think, detail there of yeah their proclivity proclivity of getting influenced or manipulated i don't know yeah that's a yeah that's a good point and it, this was this was brought up i don't remember how cuz it's been a while since i watched it but i think this subject was like kind of brought up in the adventuring party 
And I think it was essentially that like Despazul, this entity probably had a lot of like tendrils out, like a lot of, of people. And it's just the archbishop got there first. And so that's why, you know, like, so she probably had the same visions kind of Rafaniel had, but she like was able to manifest mm-hmm. this vision first. And so she became the avatar. Um, mm-hmm. So to my understanding, like it could have just as easily been Rafaniel in that position um, mm-hmm. but you know, he obviously made his own decisions and that kind of leads great into one thing I did want to talk about is this like shift for Rafaniel kind of making the ultimate sacrifice play, mm-hmm. um, which kind of leads into another discussion too. We kept saying like this, this show is going to end in PVP and it, it didn't, um, mm-hmm. they kind yeah. of all united. Um, so it had the opportunity to that moment yeah. where cauliflower offers him, Hey, join the team. And he was like, I finally can join the band. (laughs) So, so I thought it could for sure. Yeah. And it, it was on the table. Like Matt, you know, like Matt didn't know, like he thought it Mm could have been PVP. Um, the other people at the table were also like, yeah, we were like, we're going to have to start fighting Rafaniel now too. Um, so I thought was, that was really cool. And his character just had such an interesting arc, um, Mm -hmm. start to finish. Uh, and we kept, yeah, we kept talking about what was going on with him. And I loved how he characterized himself as basically evil and having tormented people and like a wretch, you know, his, I think he said his heart was like worthless or something. I can't remember what he said, honestly, but um, we had talked about like, is he just kind of like a, you know, more nefarious yeah. person or is he just kind of, you know, a bit more coy and it was neat to get his own admission of how he saw himself. A hundred percent. So I thought that arc was fascinating and I think this is true of everyone. So I'm not, I'm, but I'm still just going to call it out. I think it's so cool that like, I don't, Brennan obviously didn't plan for Rafaniel's arc to, to have those stark points of like, you know, after the, the queen of candy was murdered and then here at the end. Um, so I think it's just totally unexpected. You know, if you'd asked me from episode one, where I thought that character was going to go. Um, so just, thought it was awesome and that that like run into the the heart with the the grenade as it were i just thought it was such a cool moment that i didn't expect to come yeah no yeah that was cool um okay <clears throat> real quick um we, we mentioned it in the recap but that moment with the the virgin and the uh deli <laughs> being like you lied uh yeah hilarious but also like lou wilson man the acting like i I was like shakespearean i was like man like this is like kind of being played for a joke sort of but like lou is in it and like i'm like i'm with you man she did lie like your whole like journey up to this point has been for not kind of Um, yeah i had to pause when he was chewing her out for a second and there's a great like picture of his face like fully in it that i'm probably gonna use for the thumbnail um (laughs) But he he he's awesome. I mean, I just told you I was watching like endless calamity scenes yesterday. So of course <laughs> I'm like stamp of approval on Lou Wilson. <laughs> Love so, Lou. And we get him in Worlds Beyond, which he's been fantastic in too. Yes. I'm so always good. amazed. Uh similar to Abria, I'm always amazed by the range of characters. I mean, I guess it makes sense. They're acting yeah. um professionally, but just like how different each character is. I feel like all my characters in DD are just like the same character, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's just awesome man for sure and for any of you guys that are d20 people that you know clearly are 
watching D20, that's why you're watching this video. If you haven't checked out Worlds Beyond Number, you got to. It's Brennan, Abria, really uh, Eric yeah. Ishii, and Lou, and it is fantastic. Can't recommend it yeah. enough. It's it's audio only, but it's it's really, really good, for sure. Yeah. For um, sure. One, uh, so I'm scoping through the notes real quick. Um, we did it. I think this was in the adventuring party that this was revealed, but a little tidbit of backstory was that uh, Karna said her and Rafaniel first met whilst she was pretending to be Jacques Rudite. Um, yeah. Because Rafaniel was one of Jacques' informants. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a little cool piece of uh, yeah. backstory, and which kind of informs their relationship a bit throughout. I think the, she used the word paternal too because yeah. we've kind of been wondering what their back and forth was like especially with their religious background being seemingly in opposition yeah. um so yeah that was a cool detail so i liked finding that out and then um so i'm just kind of like cruising through do you have anything else specifically that you wanted to touch on uh no sorry um i i don't think so i i i kind of think it'll be one of those things where like as time goes on um and i like sort of digested a bit more i'll have more to say um but overall i really enjoyed it um i thought it was um really well put together like the production side of it and um i'm sad it's over so me too um me too uh one last little quick run through of things uh for those of you that didn't get to watch the adventuring party or maybe just won't watch it um they did touch on their backup characters because everyone had a backup character which we didn't get to any of them which i was is really wondering i was wondering okay yeah um because i know brennan for kind of candy i think told them to have backup characters right yeah so i guess the same okay. thing happened here um but so for lou it was kathir activian like the yogurt activia um it was a dairy Islander. Um, it was basically just like this nasty kind of stoic guy that was just going to go out and like murder people without question for like the good, like whatever he was ordered to do. Like that was going to be his character. Uh, Brennan's was Zir Kaban and I might be butchering these pronunciation, but he was a piece of bacon that was bard slash rogue. Um, and he was a meatlander diplomat, uh, was really like a political player, super charismatic, um, Abria was going to play, uh, Lady Melis of House Manuka, who was a Borderlands noble who wanted to be queen. She, uh, compared her to Marjorie Tyrell, uh, and was an Oath of Conquest paladin. And Zach was going to be Bishop Flaky Smothers. Uh, and he revealed that the, you know, the crazy, uh, Bishop from the Rot Pool episode with the voice like, oh, that was his mini. Like that was going to be his, uh, oh, yeah, character. Okay. I guess um, so. Who was basically a Ceresia Meatlands border person who was going to yeah. be like a mega church pastor was kind of like that character. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and Jolly? Yeah. And finally, and Jolly was going to be old Granny Palm, who was like this old grandma who just liked to mess with people because she was just super old and didn't care anymore, which reminded me of like Chetney from uh, Campaign 3. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Uh, she was a pomegranate and um, ran a little Apoc the Carry and was going to have like a little ghost fart as a familiar. Uh, and there's this really funny sequence in the adventuring party episode where like everyone goes around and makes fart noises. Uh, but <clears throat> yeah. And it, the, the little potential in for that character was that she could have been the old lady that was taking care of almond goes baby. Like if yeah. that needed to happen. Yeah. Okay. Um, I gotcha. Okay. And the cool. only, uh, 
another little just interesting tidbit uh, was the inspiration for that final sequence of them like running away at the end. Uh, Matt said was inspired by a sequence from Super Metroid. So I thought that was cool. Nice. Nice. And then there was some question about like what what people in the FDA knew. And uh, Matt said that about half of the FDA knew about the Sanctus Putris. So not all of them knew about that. Um, but And it was kind of like Scientology, like the more influential and powerful became, like yeah. the more secrets you got told. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I love uh, that. <laughs> but he said only the Archbishop and the Elder knew about Des Puzzle. No one else knew about that. Okay, yeah. That makes uh, sense then. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. That, yeah, cool that stuff, ends man. all my tidbits. So that's all I got. Good stuff, man. You guys are going to have to let us know what you thought about it. Um, especially any of you guys who joined us from CR who hadn't watched D20 before. Um, final word from me I really loved it. It was a great experience. And I'm really happy to have my D20 subscription. Yeah. So. 100%. So glad to, to finally, you know, come over to D20. We've been talking about checking out a campaign there um, for ages. Loved it. Did not disappoint. Um, excited to check out more campaigns in the future. And uh, again, for you D20 people only that may be watching the channel um, because we started covering this. And if you've never seen Critical Role, check out Calamity. It's the uh, it's the four episode miniseries that Brennan actually DM'd. Yeah. So kind of the the mirror to Ravening yeah. War on Critical Role's side. And it is absolutely fantastic. I'm sh I mean... I can't imagine there's any Brennan Lee Mulligan fans that haven't seen that, but if yeah. that's somehow you like definitely check that out. And then, you know, of course, check out critical role as well, because uh, if you're going to miss our ugly mugs, we're, we're talking about that every week. So if you like this yeah. type of content, join us on that journey. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys later and we'll have more content coming soon. So thanks for watching today. Bye y'all.